Hello, friends. This is Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I'm your host, Mike, along with your other host, Kyle. This week, as every week, we're going to break down the top 10 of some silly category. Kyle's going to come to us with a top 10 category that I don't know, go through his top 10, and then we're going to debate it vigorously. So, Kyle, what's this week's topic? Okay, Mike. Um, so I'll walk you through how I, how I came across this one. Are you familiar with David Lowry? He's a filmmaker. I don't think I am. Yeah, no surprise there. Uh, he came up the other day on another podcast that we listened to uh, because they were talking about um, good kind of horror films. Mm-hmm. And this guy had done one called Ghost Story. Okay. Um, which apparently is very good. I have not seen it, but I was curious what else this guy had done so i looked him up on the imdb mm-hmm. and he has a director and writer credit for the remake of pete's dragon oh which okay. came out a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and that got me thinking uh where does pete's dragon fall on the list of all-time dragons and so you're gonna do a top 10 list of the best dragons of all time so as in the dragon itself not right. the story in which it's contained nope the okay. dragon just okay. the dragon. Okay. Um, so a couple of ground rules. Mm-hmm. Um, just defining what a dragon is. Yep. A dragon is a very large reptile that can fly and breathe fire. Those mm-hmm. are pretty much the only criteria I have. Uh-huh. Um, so, for example, the Komodo dragon is not a dragon. As no. it is, is, it, is on the ground. Um, so, very... so, the, so that pit full of Komodo dragons uh, from uh, Skyfall is out? Yes. Distinctly okay. out as they are uh, confined to the ground, okay. unfortunately. As cool as they are. Yes, okay. Um, this also rules out Godzilla, because Godzilla can't fly. Oh, good point. Uh, so he can breathe fire. That is true. Um, but it's like nuclear waste fire, I think, so kind of weird. It's like blue fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, this also rules out Reptar, because as far as I know, he cannot fly either. Yeah, he just menaces. <laughs> Uh, so without further ado, I'll, I'll get into number 10. Okay. Um, this one is one that I, I feel like most people probably don't know, but for the people that do know this dragon, they're very fond of him. And, um, did you ever dabble on homestarrunner.com when you were younger? You know, I know that you and, uh, Dylan, so for our listeners, our third and beloved, Third in the list here, but first in our hearts. Uh, roommate from college also was a Homestar Runner guy, so I heard the two of you goofing about it a lot, but I, I was not a Homestar Runner guy. So uh, there's a character in, in Homestar named Strong Bad, and he mm. makes up this fictional... I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> he makes up this fictional dragon <laughs> named Trogdor the Burninator. <laughs> and he, he's basically like a... It's a very poorly drawn cartoon dragon. He looks like, a, <laughs> he looks like an S, and he's got these tiny little wings... Um, and he has one giant arm, like he's super ripped and it's like a human arm. Like the rest of him is green and scaly, but this arm looks just like a human arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trogdor is the, the antagonist in a internet like flash game called Peasant's Quest, where you play a, <laughs> a peasant that must vanquish Trogdor the Burninator, who has burninated basically your entire town. Um, and they won't let you into the... Trogdor's lair basically because you don't look enough like a peasant you don't mm-hmm. stink like a peasant you're not dressed in rags like a peasant and you're not on fire like a peasant mm-hmm. <laughs> so the story revolves around you becoming all those three things and then spoiler alert as soon as you get into Trogdor's lair he 
completely burninates you and the game is over. He burninates you. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, he's one of easily the silliest dragon on this list. Um and also one of my favorites, and I felt compelled to put him on here because like I said, the cult following that Homestar Runner has uh, we'll very much appreciate Trogdor's inclusion. So this is that was a an honorable mention, correct? No, this is number ten. Oh wow! Okay, we put him right at ten. All right, I I feel strongly about. Apparently, Trogdor. <laughs> <laughs> he has the best nickname of any dragon on this list for sure. Mm-hmm. As the Burninator. Um, also, like there aren't there are a couple of an honorable mention. There are only a couple. Actually, spoiler not well not a spoiler, but. The reason that we're doing this list, Pete's Dragon, is actually not on this list, so he's okay. an honorable mention. Um, I've never actually seen the the original. It's like a it's like a it's a Disney animated film, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I didn't see the remake either. Yeah, no, I was not a Pete's Dragon guy. From what I understand, the, the dragon is fiction, like in a figment of his imagination. Okay, kind of like kind of a where the wild things are deal. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Um, another honorable, honorable mention is, uh, Spyro the dragon (laughs) from the Spyro games. Oh my God. I forgot about Spyro. Yeah, I did too. Uh, and he popped into my head. He's kind of goofy. Uh, I don't, I never really played those games much as a kid. So that's why he's an honorable Mm -hmm. mention. But, uh, so anyways, Trogdor at 10, we can talk about that, but I really like Trogdor, obviously. All right. Nine is dragon from Shrek. Oh um, my god! <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's going to be a couple who are like that dragon from. This is believe it or not the only dragon on this list that doesn't have a name. Okay, because there's one that I'm thinking of that I have no idea what the name is. Maybe it does have a name, but I'm just dumb. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I have on this list dragon Prince mm-hmm. Shrek. This is the. I, I remember when I saw Shrek for the first time, I was just shocked that this dragon was a girl. Yeah. And, like, the the way that they go with that dragon and make her, like, a love interest for Donkey, I think, is very hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... So, I'm already... I'm unsure whether the fact that this dragon's humor is derived almost entirely from the fact that it had a romance with uh, Eddie Murphy's Donkey... Like, I don't know if that empowers this dragon to be higher on our list or if it drags it down because the entire humor is that it had little donkeys with wings with with Eddie Murphy, which I just love. So I don't know. I don't know if that helps or hurts, but I do a lot of. Yeah, there's a lot of implied humor there. Oh, yeah, there. Yeah, (laughs) there is a lot of there's just it's just sort of like when dogs there's like a cross between like a Shih Tzu and a Great Dane and you're like, I don't understand what sort of lab conditions were cooked up for this to happen. (laughs) So I'm, I'm a little confused by that, but it was great. And I actually this is Shrek is a movie that I have very distinct memory of um of my first viewing because I as a kid was like very we weren't sort of weird sheltered kids but we my parents had very strict rules about what we were allowed to watch and so shrek was a pretty pretty borderline pg movie oh it's racy yeah and um i think my parents didn't know that when they rented it they're like oh (laughs) animated film and we watched it at my house i fell in love immediately i i knew i was in when shrek pulled the earwax out of his ear and turned it into a candle (laughs) to like eight-year-old me that was that was it and what the hell else was i supposed to do but love that movie 
the movie's perfect for kids because it's got the perfect combination of gross out like the yeah. earwax and he's I think in that same scene he's eating like a bowl of eyeballs he certainly <laughs> is yeah like little eyeball like the little pearl onions which my family calls eyeballs oh okay so that's perfect actually yeah for you. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a classic I love that movie so I'm trying to remember does dragon never speaks right mm, no she just kind of roars and bats her eyelashes I believe yeah I think that I think that definitely adds to the character that it's it's purely like a reflection of what Eddie Murphy thinks that Dragon is thinking. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's it's good to have two characters that are primarily voiced by Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah, they did good job there. Um all right, so that was 9. Number 8 um is one of the dragons from Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, it's Viserion, who, if you have not watched Thrones, I'm about to include a major spoiler. Yeah, this is, I have a feeling this is going to be a very significant spoiler. Yeah, so if you're still catching up on Thrones or intend to watch it, do not listen to the next minute or two. All um, To all of our listeners out there, the many thousands of you, <laughs> especially all of you who don't overlap with our love of Game of Thrones, because you'd probably still be listening if you didn't like Game of Thrones and weren't caught up to it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> this applies to my fiance, maybe. maybe. No, it doesn't, because no. she's never watching Thrones. Yeah, this applies to my girlfriend, uh, Caroline, who I don't know what her problem is. But, yeah, she's not going to get this. Okay, so everyone's still listening. Uh, <laughs> it's Viserion, who is included on this list, not because he's really remarkable, Compared no. to the other three dragons before his death, but because he is resurrected as an ice zombie dragon, mm-hmm. which to my knowledge has not been done before. Uh, I, I, do you know any examples of, of dragons being resurrected from the dead and being used, I guess, oh, I didn't even think about the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings. Are they, are they dragons? They're not even, I don't know. Wait, do they, I, this is, I'm about to. I'm having a little bit of a brain fart here. They do not breathe fire, though, right? That's what I'm trying to remember. Because I, I feel like there's one scene, like, in, um, with, uh, Angmar, where there's, uh, like, green stuff in the background. In the, what's it, the Dead City, but... Minas Morgul? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they breathe fire. I, I don't but, think they breathe fire. <clears throat> but I do love the Nazgul. Yeah, well, they're kind of the closest thing. Like, undead, kind of... Yeah. flying beasts um yeah Viserion as we know in life was pretty lame and like that's not his fault because he was kept in a a dark room where the CGI was impossible to see for many seasons what do you mean Kyle that wasn't a budgetary decision um no I know no no it wasn't a budgetary decision also named after the biggest douche in the entire uh fictional universe and there's a yeah. lot of people to choose from and uh, Viserys is the biggest douche there is Number so he one. didn't. He didn't really stand a chance. Like that's like yeah. having that's like being named Gary Coleman. It's like you're kind of just gonna be what you're gonna be. Like your whole life's path has sort of been set out for you. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So it, he makes a list because in death he's become a much more compelling dragon. Yes, absolutely. And the pleasure to watch burn things down. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more of him in season eight. In very expensive CGI. I'd also just one question about Viserion. So, where do you stand on the whole that's ice or that's blue fire issue? 
Um, I guess if I had to to say out, it looks it's probably ice. I guess like like white hot cold kind of. Oh, like um, like it's almost it's absolute zero, and it's just like destroys stuff because it's so cold. That's what I would. That's what I would guess. Okay. I yeah, that's it. That's an interesting concept because that would be somewhat akin to one of my favorite films, uh, D three, The Mighty Ducks, uh, when the lovable but troublemaking ducks go into the varsity team's locker room. Side note: How are they not the varsity team? They just won a gold medal in the Junior Olympics. Whatever. They go into the locker room and spray a bunch of liquid nitrogen on the other uh, team's equipment, and then it just all breaks. I imagine that's sort of the concept we're talking about here. Like, even though the wall is super cold, if it reaches a cold enough temperature, it will become so brittle it just breaks. Agreed. I think there's no better allegory than the Mighty Ducks. Thank you, Kyle. Also, what the hell? That's really mean. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty mean, and it was very destructive, and like many of the things they did, probably would have gotten them expelled. It should. That's destruction of a lot of property if they do it to all their stuff. Yeah, especially because they're a bunch of uh, poor kids from the greater uh, Twin Cities area and then a bunch of random places from around the country later versus a bunch of super rich kids whose dads are all clearly senators. So I don't think this would have gone over that well. Where did they get a hold of liquid nitrogen? <sighs> One of them was in like the advanced class or something. I, I don't remember. Interesting. At any rate, yeah, Viserion. Uh, yeah, I think that Viserion, if he weren't undead, probably doesn't make this list. No, definitely not. So he should be grateful that he was killed by a gold medalist javelin thrower. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, number seven is Safira of um, the... Uh, oh, shoot. What the hell is that book called? The Inheritance Cycle? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the first one is called... Aragon. Um, Aragon. That's yeah. Right. So Aragon is the name of the the rider, correct? The, the yes. Dean. So Aragon rides. Um... Oh yeah, Sephira is his dragon. Yes. Yeah, sorry, Sephira mm-hmm. is his dragon, and then the red one is. Um... Yeah. Whatever. We don't have to go down that road. Sephira. Yeah, Sephira is the first one on this list that can actually speak. Yeah. Uh, and has like a really really deep connection with a human, mm-hmm. which I really like in a dragon. I think yeah. that's cool. Um, I don't, I, I read this book, I read Aragon in like seventh grade or whatever. Oh, you're so smart. That's cool, dude. I think that's when most people read them, Mike, cause they're written at like a seventh or eighth grade level. No, that's awesome, dude. We're really proud of you. Okay. Um, so I remember just really liking this yeah. particular dragon. Um, another female one. Yeah, I think that the the fact that Sephira was a female uh, was very interesting. Uh, it was kind of a cool choice for the book because clearly Christopher Paolini uh, was not going on a lot of dates uh, at the time. He looks an awful lot like McLovin. Um, <laughs> he was spending a lot of time in his basement writing this. I think he lives in Montana. Interesting cat. So I think having um, Aragon have a connection with a woman regardless of her species, uh, was really cool. I, I really like that, and I totally agree. I think what makes Sephira so neat is uh, the emotional connection that she shares with Aragon. Eventually, it gets a little bit stale during the uh, thousand-page epic that was just a ripoff of Dagobah. Um, but for a while, Sephira was really interesting, especially early on, because she. I, I also like that she's no wiser than him. 
Like she screws up the same kind of stuff that he screws up. Right. Um, that's that was a really neat way of doing this because typically something like a dragon is just a window. It's it's often like a, a plot device for us, where either they just stand for something because they're not able to communicate on their own, or they're just some sort of wise and or malicious figure who sort of stands in for something else. But Safira was her own character fully. Yeah, and it's interesting because like there are other human dragon pairings where there's clearly an emotional connection. Yeah, but in the book, I, I remember correctly, like they have a mental connection, so you can actually there's dialogue. Order, like, <clears throat> yep, quite a absolutely. Bit of it, which absolutely. I don't, I don't think there are any other dragons on this list that do that. So that's really unique. No, and it's definitely one of uh, it's interesting. <laughs> I think indicative of Christopher Paolini's. Um, writing talents uh that his best written character is not a human um i think that sort of came up as a theme as the books went on but yeah safira was was a real highlight of the series and i forgot how great she was until you reminded me so thank you kyle no problem mike uh i'd also like to remind you that aragon the movie is one of the worst i've ever seen yeah that was um not good but the kid ed uh ed spaliers was terrific in his short run on Downton Abbey. Really good. <laughs> I liked him a lot. He was uh, he was the super handsome uh, footman who um, mm. Thomas uh, is has a crush on. Turns out to be a really sweet character arc. Oh, that's nice. So from the ashes, Downton Abbey. Yeah. That's nice. All right, so let's recap 10 through 7 real quick. Uh, number 10 was Trogdor <laughs> the Burninator, or in... <laughs> To, to be more accurate, Trogdor, the Burninator! You uh, goofy son of a bitch. <laughs> that's the strong bad voice for everyone who doesn't know or care. Uh, then we had at nine, Dragon of Shrek. Mm-hmm. Eight was Viserion of Thrones. And seven, Sephira of Aragon. So six, we're going... This is this is stretching the, the limits of what a dragon is, <clears throat> technically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, this is the second dragon on this list, like voiced by Eddie Murphy. I was just, okay. I was I was waiting. Oh, I'm now so mad. I didn't. For those of you listening, I'm not very good at this radio thing yet. I get excited and I want to talk and I interrupt Kyle sometimes. So I didn't want to interrupt you by saying, "Fuck!" When you said dragon from Shrek, I was like, "Oh my god!" There is another Eddie Murphy related dragon, Mushu. God, yeah. I love Mushu so much. Mushu is definitely a dragon. Don't care. Throw the rule book out. I love Mushu. Also, <laughs> listeners, I'm ignoring you for one second. Uh, Kyle and I have plans with one of our other friends to do something we're calling Movie Weekend, where we're just going to watch a bunch of movies, like a lot of movies, <laughs> for several days straight. And this does involve Kyle getting on an airplane to do so. And I want, oh, yeah. I want Mulan to be on the list. The thing is that we end up, we quote Mulan yeah. a lot because especially the, um, so you remember the scene where, the, the rid, uh, ridiculous scene where um, Mulan and her horse are falling off that cliff. Yes, absolutely. Like in, in, in a miniature avalanche. Mm-hmm. And the, I can't remember the short guy's name. Yeah, I love that I guy. Let, I let them slip right through my fingers. And then the arrow lands right in his fingers. Wait, that's where that's from? Yeah, of course that's where that's from. I didn't even know that. We say that all the time, and I forgot where it was from. This happens. This happened to me like ten times watching "I Love You, Man" recently. I have no original thoughts. <laughs> I totally forgot that's where that came from. 
We say that all the time. Like every time we watch football and there's a yeah. pass or anytime anything slips right through your fingers. Yeah. We quote that. We had a similar experience last night. You know how we'll often say you ever see bench warmers when Oh, um, I've seen bench warmers. They're playing they're playing ding dong ditch and the guy goes, And I will find you and he goes, You're in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> we said that last night and Dylan was like, Oh, I love Billy Madison. Oh and no. So you like narked on him ruthlessly. Alright, so I want to come back to Mushu for a second. Oh yeah. Um so <laughs> so bring it back. Do you think there is another voice actor who could have done Mushu? Because uh, I'll, I'll, I'll posit you one person. I'll, I'll give you one person I'm thinking of. I wonder of. if it's the same person I'm thinking of. I, I, I'm almost certain it's going to be. The, wow. prob- the problem <laughs> being that this actor already voiced basically the same character in a different movie. Uh, I'm imagining Robin Williams being a oh, really good Mushu. That's, that could work. But unfortunately, He's he was genie. genie, which is the exact same character. But he, was, he would be a really good Mushu. He would have been a good Mushu. Yeah. I was thinking Chris Rock. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're kind of, you're sticking in a lane here. Chris Rock, if he were to do like an Eddie Murphy sort of copycat, would be great. Well, he, because Chris Rock was the zebra in Madagascar. And it's kind oh, of yeah. Similarly sassy. Um, yeah. Well, the thing about Mushu, though, is that like, I don't think he ever technically does fly in the film. But in the end, he kind of remember when he uh, does like the uh, that thing where he swells up and scares the bad guys, and he's got the wings behind him. <laughs> That's he what I was does... gonna say. Does he have wings the whole movie? Uh, he has wings, I think. Uh, they're like small and deformed. Yeah. Um, but they refer to him many, many times as a dragon. Yeah. Um, oh, he's definitely a dragon, and he impersonates the great stone dragon. Yes. Oh, early he does. In the film. <laughs> I'm the great stone dragon. <laughs> <laughs> he's like got the statue and he's like pumping it up and down. Oh my God. Yeah, that was incredible. That whole movie was just genius. Just as Eddie Murphy has a silent partner in Shrek, the dragon, the roles are reversed here and he has a silent partner in the cricket that hangs out with them. Oh, wait, what was the cricket's name? I don't even know. He just calls him Bug. Uh, yeah, maybe? I love the cricket. Have, might have. The cricket is an underrated silent partner. Yeah. Um, again, personified very well through Eddie Murphy's. Oh, I just I just googled that quickly. It says Cricky. Cricky. That makes yes. a lot of sense. I don't think they ever said that, but that's fair. All right, I can live with that. Um, did you Google a picture of Mushu? Does he have wings? I did. He has these sort of ragged little things on his back that I I thought were ridges, um, but I suppose pose could be wings i think it's implied at the height of his power that he could fly if he wanted to yeah because is he is he super old Mm, he's just like a runt he is i need an image hold on yeah i guess those are it's hard to tell if those are supposed to be wings it doesn't really look like it yeah I don't know. At any rate, no question. Dragon and wonderful one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very comfortable putting Mushu on this list and yeah. relatively high. Yeah, I, I I'm really glad Mushu appears. Yeah. Okay, so number five is Norberta of Harry Potter fame. Mm. I was wondering where Norberta would slot in. Um, I knew you were going to do it because I would have too, purely to prove that you knew it was Norberta and not Norbert. Um, game game recognized game there. Yeah, the reason Norberta is so high is because 
Um, I feel like we needed to include a dragon from the Harry Potter universe, but I was uncomfortable including the unnamed Hungarian Horntail. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting choice. I, this was something that was coming up. I'm not 100% sure that both couldn't be on this list. But as I, as you started this list, I was kind of leaning Hungarian Horntail. Yeah? Well, it's it's worth discussion for later. I think yeah. I think Norberta, at the <clears throat> very least, is above the Hungarian Horntail because Norberta is our introduction to dragons in the first place in the Harry Potter universe. Absolutely. Because there's such a strong emotional connection to Hagrid. Yeah. Because they end up getting detention for helping yep. uh, Hagrid... Isn't that what they do? They like they bring Norberta up to like the top tower and then have Bill come and or sorry, Charlie, Charlie yep. um come grab him and they, they get to that's the that's the detention that gets them in the Forbidden Forest, if I remember correctly, when they see Voldy Voldy. Absolutely. So this time. this precipitates a number of things. That is not how it occurs in the film, but that is the actual way it happens in the text. Um so another little anecdote that probably interests nobody. Um this is another this is another little episode that I have a very strong memory of the first time I, I encountered it because I read I was reading this on the school bus and I remember coming across uh, the dragon for the first time Norbert at the time I was so enchanted like so utterly enchanted I had already bought in on the book it took me a while like most people because it was so slow to start but I had bought in but this was a moment where I was I was all in because I remember in the book. Um, just like in the movie, you kind of have the image of Hagrid sort of playing with the little dragon, and man, that is so magical. It's per it perfectly personifies Hagrid, like yeah. in his love of ridiculously dangerous creatures. Yeah, all of his love and all of his crazy irresponsibility. Yep. Um, I think if Norberta is present for more than like two to three chapters of the Sorcerer's Stone, um, and is does she? I think she's referenced later on in some capacity, like Hagrid says offhand, like, oh, I was visiting Norberta and wherever, or, or Charlie mentions her or something. Yes, yeah, we, we get an update on, uh, no, I think, I want to say that's going to be Goblet of Fire. We get an update on how uh, Norberta is doing in Romania. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but I that's all we no needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, if Norberta had been present in the book for any, like, for a significant amount of time, she's probably higher on this list. Yeah. Um, And I don't even know, like, we can talk about where she is right now anyways. But, um, yeah, even though she's not really given a lot of time to spread her wings as a oh, character. Oh, gross. Yeah. That was gross. Yeah. Um, I actually might argue that you're you're going down the wrong road here. I think maybe her how sparingly she's used is part of what makes her such a great character because I think a dragon would kind of wear thin in this universe because it kind of feels like some other, I'm not going to get into any, you know, some, some crazy plot devices that could really rip holes into the continuity of this universe. Um, I like that dragons don't become an overly used part of this, this uh, saga. I, I like that Norberta just appears here and there and you just know she's out in Romania. I, I like that about her. Okay, so let's go into number four. This one's a little bit of a cheat because this character is not a dragon at okay. all times. Okay. He's actually only a dragon for the end of the film. Uh, but it's Maleficent of Sleeping Beauty. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and the reason I think it's, I think we include her is like actually all of the dragons on this list so far have been 
good dragons or at least like don't lean one way or the other morally. Yeah. Um, but typically dragons are, are villainous creatures and have like a stigma of evil with them. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and I think Maleficent is one of the most evil dragons, probably like one of the most evil looking dragons. I remember as a kid being really terrified of dragon Maleficent Mm -hmm. because she's got, she's black and she's got like the purple and green kind of like, uh, stomach scales and she shoots fire that is like very green kind of a precursor to thrones is wildfire yeah um i don't what do you what do you think about the technicality or the legality of of maleficent as a dragon on this list i think that she more than earns her place here i actually really like the inclusion of somebody who's a little bit more human uh it's this is sort of the other side of the coin for Safira. this is um a very human and in this case literally a human dragon who has chosen the other side i i like this a lot I wouldn't have thought of her. I, f- I kind of forgot about her, but but this is a great pick. She's terrifying. Remember at the oh, end? Oh, God, like, yes. She turns her castle, like, very quickly into a very terrifying... I think she actually, at like, as soon as she turns into a dragon, like, very large, spiky kind of, like, brambles come out of the earth and surround the castle, and there's a moat, and Prince Philip has to, like, hack his way through it just to get there. It's a very epic human-on-dragon battle. Um, it ends, like, pretty graphically like he stabs her right through the heart oh god yeah well that's that's the thing is that because this is also a human there's much more to it like the the um the moral ramifications are much greater than just killing any old dragon because most of these dragons not the ones we've been discussing but most dragons in literature are kind of an embodiment of perfect evil um maleficent may be but she's also a human yeah and her motives are through out of like jealousy and like uh like aspiration right like it's not yeah. isn't that kind of the whole point of sleep like she she wants aurora to be asleep because she's her only threat to the throne i can't yeah. remember exactly what the that's that's what i recall yeah i just from like a very childlike uh perspective like this is in my it sticks out of my head is like a really terrifying dragon <laughs> um and very evil one yeah, not as evil as someone else on this list. I, or yeah, maybe, well, we can, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. and We can talk about how evil they are. But so that was six through four. We just did Mushu, Norberta, and Maleficent. <laughs> uh, progressing from very good to kind of ambivalent towards good and evil to very evil. Okay, so number three on our list is the more superior of the dragons from Game of Thrones. It's Drogon. Yeah, yeah. Um, unlike his. His brothers in Game of Thrones, Drogon is allowed to grow and spends a lot of time off screen just like they do. But in the in the plot is allowed to just go around and eat children at his will. So he gets very big and very intimidating. Um, he's just a really impressive TV dragon. At, in the last season of in the last season of Thrones, there's the episode the um, the loot train battle. That's like, in my opinion, easily the greatest, the greatest screen time a dragon's ever had. Like the way that they shoot that scene from the ground, like really makes you feel afraid of like how terrifyingly powerful a dragon actually is. Like an aerial weapon in a, in a world where you're basically using, you know, a shield and swords. Um, and like the, they do a really good job of kind of 
highlighting the destructive power, like the way the trains all blow up in succession and he just, all those people get burned. Like that's a really terrifying and gripping like 15 minutes of TV. Yeah. Well, as much as anything, that thump, 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 thump that you hear as he slowly starts to fly closer, it gives you a sense of how much air is being displaced and it just sounds like like a distant roll of maybe, you know, wagons or something. You're like, okay, maybe this is just the ground force is coming for us. And then as it starts to get closer, you're like, that is not the ground troops. That is something else entirely. <laughs> so for me, actually, the moment when Drogon became real to me, like his influence was a different episode in season seven. Uh, it was the episode when Jon Snow goes up and, and pets him on the nose. Um that to me really put the dragons into context because I think sometimes they're they're a little bit too CGI. Obviously, part of that is, as we discussed earlier, budgetary. But this one was very fully and nicely rendered CGI to the point when it felt like the fake world of the dragon had met the real world of the show. And this felt like an actual three-dimensional physical creature. And holy shit, that thing was terrifying. So that to me was a huge moment. Obviously, the sheer terror unleashed on Loot Train was insane, but I like how real that episode with Jon Snow and then Loot Train made Drogon to us because the fire felt so real and so terrifying because like you said, they did a really great job of shooting it from the ground and then you know, from the air. Yeah, and the reason that fire looked so real is because that was real fire. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you ever watched kind of the making of the episode featurettes on Game of Thrones. I've seen a couple, but not not They usually. are so worth your time, especially for this one because like all of the uh, all the fire effects or at least most of them are real, like those trains exploding in succession or like people being burned alive and like writhing and jumping into water. Yeah. They put on flame retardant suits and like, lit themselves on fire. It's that really sounds cool. fun. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds like something I'd really like to do someday. Um yeah, so Drogon, through a combination of his sheer power and just, like, the screen time that he gets, like, he's got more screen time than any dragon ever, really, and uh, the way that they kind of personify him later through Daenerys and Jon, like, yeah, he's, I, I think, fittingly high on this list. I actually have one last question on sort of the topic of Game of Thrones dragons. How do you feel about a character like Daenerys, who is so strongly identified with being a female and being a strong female character, having all male dragons. It kind of, it strikes me as, as I don't know, odd is the word, but it's an interesting choice. It is a little interesting. And I wonder if it's like kind of similar to um, Aragon, where like maybe George's idea for it in the long run was therefore not to be a romantic connection between John and Danny. And maybe like her, her male dragons are kind of a surrogate for a relationship that she can't have after Dro or Drogo. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because there's definitely, there's something to, there's something to her being more a mother than a wife like that. I think that's, I, I'm not taking any great mm. leap there. I mean, they call her Misa. Like she's, yeah. She's intended to be a mother rather than a wife. Um, 
and it, it's interesting that her, her it, she's she's one of those moms you could picture having all boys. Like you don't picture her having daughters and getting along with them and teaching them to be well-adjusted young women. It's more like she would just have a, a pack of Gronkowski boys who she just like throws in a van and takes out to tackle each other in a field somewhere. <laughs> but but I, I'm curious if there's a deeper reasoning behind that. No answer. Just just curious. No, I think you're right. I think if you do a female dragon, I think they all have to be female. I think doing yeah. some and and yeah, that's a really good point. It's like her Harajuku girls. What? What's that? Oh, come on, Gwen Stefani, her Harajuku girls. She's got like Sorry. a gang of backup uh, dancers <laughs> that she calls her Harajuku girls. Oh yeah, oh yeah, of course. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not up in my Gwen. <laughs> no, it's okay. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Drogon was three. Number two um, <laughs> is up here just through sheer popularity. I think like everyone in the known world knows this dragon. Yeah, probably. Um, number two is Charizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very obviously a dragon. He yes, flies, he breathes fire. He's actually listed as a dragon type Pokemon. Very specific type of Pokemon. <laughs> dragon and fire and flying Pokemon. He. I think it's like Pikachu is probably the most famous Pokemon, but yeah. Charizard is, I think probably number two, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had that whole member the milkshake uh, remix that kids used to sing, like, um, I don't know, like you want to trade cards, but not my Charizard. Remember that one? <laughs> no, you don't remember that? Kids are on me. You know the song milkshake. I'm not gonna yeah, sing course. it for you, but yeah, there yeah. was like a remix where it was like instead of yard, it was Charizard. Ah, uh, it's clever. Yeah, kids are clever. Kids are clever. I think- I think that it's, I'm glad you brought that up because like that is one of the reasons that Charizard is so high on like the mythical yeah the mythical stigma associated with a holographic Charizard card and you did you have one no I never had a, a holographic Charizard this kid got one and didn't trade for it or anything I just got it in a pack oh oh okay yeah no Charizard that brings up an interesting question. Of certain Pokemon, was it possible to get a non-holographic Charizard? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I've ever come across one. Because it, it, it feels like it would be kind of weird to have a Charizard but have it be non-holographic. Yeah, that would be pretty disappointing. Yeah. Or not to, I mean, it's still a Charizard card. But this is true. I feel like in order for there to be holographic cards, there need to be, but of the same Pokemon, because obviously the majority of them are non-holographic. Yeah. Who was your first, not, do you remember your first holographic card? I want to say it was Gengar, which is a pretty baller Pokemon. Holy shit, you had a holographic Gengar and a Charizard? I did. It was pretty sweet. I remember distinctly, like very, very specifically, my first holographic card was a champ. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Lied. Mine, too. Keep going. Oh, my God. Like, I... The concept of a holographic card was new to me, and I pulled this guy out. Yeah. This Pokemon has four arms, a six-pack. Yeah. Like, this is a badass Pokemon. Yeah. And it's, like, I can't even see it, because it's shining. Like, it was transcendent for me. It was. I like imagine that there was, like, a light shining off of it, and there was a little There's bit of, like, a choir of angels playing behind you. It was like that, and, like... They did a good job of hooking me, because after that, I was very much into collecting Pokemon cards. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, the way we used to talk about a holographic Charizard, like, had you ever even, like, have you ever even seen one? Yeah. And I remember that uh, this kid down the street, Brad, had one. And, like, that was a big deal. He was the only one in the neighborhood that had Screw one. Screw Brad. I don't even like Brad. 
It, you really don't. Uh, none of us did. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did not like Brad. Was Brad the kid you punched? No, no, no. I punched a kid named James. Because not live in my neighborhood. Listeners, uh, Kyle punched a kid once. It was the coolest thing that he's ever done in his entire life. He kept putting worms in my shirt. <laughs> in the back of my shirt. And I told him. I was not a kid that... I didn't punch kids. No, no. Kid. He wasn't a puncher. And uh, he put a worm... To be fair, like he put a worm down my shirt several times. Yeah. I reminded him. I told him several times, if you, you know, if you keep doing that, I'm going to punch you. Uh, you know, yada, yada. He did it again. I punched him. That's all it was. Um, I'm pretty sure in, in a court of law, this would stand up. Like, he assaulted you. You requested that he stop assaulting you. I and he kept I, doing it like you were you were justified. I, I I mean I thought it was fair and I don't want to get too off topic for too much longer. But I was terrified after that. I was like I we were at his older. Sister's oh graduation no! You party. thought like the long dick of the law I was, was like, coming for you, aka my mom. Like I thought my <laughs> mom was going to kill me. So I just like st- we were in the front yard and the party was in the back and I stayed there for like an hour and a half, just like, afraid that <laughs> as soon as I went back there I would be dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she chastised me appropriately. I yeah. didn't punch kids again after that. No, no. Um, all this to say <laughs> that Charizard, I think, uh, she'll, shall stay high on this list. He's an epically famous dragon. Absolutely, because I think, and just I think to kind of wrap up what you're what you're getting at, he has everything going for him. He has the mythology. He has the actual chops to back it up. Oh yeah, like he doesn't just have the myth. He he was probably the best Pokemon in the game. Um. Or at least very close to it. And he yeah. was just, he was, he, he's baller. Like he has the mythology within the show slash game. He has the pop culture relevance and staying power. He has the power in the game. Amazing. What's more, he's one of the Pokemon that you can, one of the three that you choose yep. at the start of the game. Absolutely. So if you choose Charmander, like you've got a very emotional connection to your Charmander and then Charmeleon and then your Charizard. Yep. Like, uh, I can't say enough about Charizard. And the only reason he's not number one on this list is because this dragon exists. Yeah, I gotta, sure I gotta think I know who's number one. Yeah, number one is uh, Smaug. Yeah, of or course. Smog, depending yeah. on who you ask. Let's stick with Smaug for this. I like Smaug better. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I read, uh, just uh, uh, just to make sure you guys all know, I was reading at a high level at a young age. Yeah, so everybody um, knows. Just so we're all aware, remember I read Aragon in seventh grade, so... I do remember. You told us. Yep. So I read The Hobbit. The Hobbit I read in either seventh or sixth grade or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the first epic fantasy that I had ever read. Yep. And it remains to this day one of my favorite books ever because it like introduced me to the the concept that worlds like this could exist in literature. Yeah. Uh, and Smaug is like the, the perfect fantasy creature. He's, and and this is what I was alluding to earlier. He's not necessarily, he's not evil. He's just greedy. Like he hoards the, like the concept of a, a dragon hoarding like a pile of gold and protecting it like that. Yeah. Um, it's just so amazing. I, I love, and I actually, this is something that they totally got right in the Hobbit movies. Uh, Smaug is voiced to perfection by Benadryl Cumbersnatch. Yeah, imperfect. Uh, <laughs> just perfect. Yeah, he's just like a, a old, kind of paranoid, uh, sultry, greedy yeah. dragon. 
I love him. He's amazing. Absolutely. I think I think one thing that you're kind of getting at here when you say he's not evil, he's just greedy, is that I think for us as readers or as viewers, we're asked constantly in the Tolkien universe, like, what is evil? What makes a person or a thing or a concept evil? Because the biggest frailty that every character, essentially every character, except for one notable person... Um, our dear friend Faramir, their their biggest problem (laughs) is that they're really greedy and they're power hungry. And that doesn't make them evil. Like Frodo is not evil because he's lured in by the ring any more than Boromir is evil because he's lured in by the ring. Like, or Gollum for that matter. I was just going to say Gollum is a perfect example. And Gollum is a much more eventually sympathetic sort of counterpoint to Smaug. But what's interesting is we have built in a much looser moral framework for Smaug because we say, well, he's a dragon. Like, dragons do stuff. Whereas for Gollum, we have a much stricter moral framework because we say, well, he's a, you know, humanoid at the very least. Um, so we we can't, like, when he kills Deagle, we say, oh my god, he murdered that guy. But when Smaug goes and burns a village, we say, well, that's dragon's gonna do what a dragon's gonna do. And yet, at the same time, they kind of represent the same frailty on a different scale. But but we're not asked as explicitly to identify with Smaug. But I think what you're saying is we kind of do. Yeah, it, like you feel a little bit of, not obviously as sympathetic as we do towards Gollum. Cause yeah, because we're not um, tasked as explicitly to feel sympathy. And there's less, there's less time. But like you feel, you kind of feel sympathy for first Smaug at least a little bit when he's got like that very long discussion with Bilbo as he's kind of um like toying with him in his den and you you feel a little bad for him like this is just a dragon that wants to take a long nap on his pile of gold that's all he wants he's really not I mean he does event you know every once in a while come out and terrorize the town folk but just just like they say in our our favorite film there uh the dark knight like you don't get mad when the mad dog, you know, attacks him. You don't get mad at the dog. You get mad at the person who let him off the leash. Like, you don't get mad at a dragon for being a dragon. Yeah, yeah, it's dragons gonna dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the concept of... The, the, for me, this is the first time I'd seen this concept of, like, I guess David and Goliath. But, like, you can take down... Uh, a very large creature by like attacking a, a very weak point, like the way they yes, pierce the absolutely. one the one gap in his skills with an arrow. Um, it's really cool. I I wonder if that's going to come back in pop culture. Oh wait, <laughs> rather stupidly. In yeah, Game yeah. To, from our friends at the Ringer, big crossbow <laughs> guys. TM. <laughs> what if we had? You're familiar with the concept of a bow and arrow, I trust. Yeah. Now, what, what about a crossbow? No, at least, like, I think at least with Smaug, there's there's only a certain spot that he's vulnerable. Whereas, right. like, the dragons from Thrones, whatever, we don't need to go down that road. Smaug is amazing, and I think, like you said, um, one of the few elements of The Hobbit that is captured not just adequately, but exceptionally well in the film, because Benny Muffin's Cumberbund is incredible in that movie. The perfect voice, characterized really well, and I thought um, CGI'd really well. Like, really cool CGI, because as you and I have discussed in the past, perhaps the biggest sin of the Hobbit series 
is how it looks like a different world because it's rendered differently because Lord of the Rings is almost all practical effects. And yes. so each, each orc or orakai or, you know, I think Urgle or Cull, I don't know. I'm mixing my terms up a little bit. Um, is its own creature. But on this, they kind of like the goblins and stuff look, look very fake. All that said, Smaug does not suffer from that. We don't have no. any other dragons to compare him to. And even though he is clearly CGI'd, um, for obvious reasons, he's done so really nicely. And I like the way he moves sort of in a slithering fashion. If I remember correctly, the first like 10 minutes of that scene, maybe not 10 whole minutes, maybe yeah. the first four or five minutes or whatever, it's dark and he's like in the pile of gold. Like yep. he's literally inside it. Absolutely. And so like you see like his tail like slither around. You and see then a couple his... coins start to fall down a hill. Yep. And his eye and then like the ridge of his back. And like you see it enough like bits here and there. It's done really, really well. Yeah. So that when you finally see the whole thing, it's like, ah, it's right. It's so cool. Um, yeah. The only other dragon, well, we talked about it. Like the Nazgul are really well done, but they're not quite dragons. Yeah. And then, they look just like the Loch Ness monster, actually. Yeah. Like flying dead Loch Ness monsters. Yeah. Just scary. Um, the only other dragon is in Fellowship of the Ring when Merry and Pippin delightfully yeah. set off that firework. Yeah. Oh, I do love that one. There hasn't been a dragon in these parts for a thousand years. That's a great scene. Yeah, that is a great scene. Um, okay. So let's, let me, let me run through these 10 again, just to remind people of where we're at. Yeah. Number 10, Trogdor the Burninator. <laughs> <laughs> He's <Number> feeling nine, <laughs> vulnerable. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we can argue about it. Number nine, Dragon of Shrek. Number eight, Viserion. Number seven, Sephira. Six, Mushu. Five, Norberta. Four, Maleficent. Three, Drogon. Two, Charizard. And one, Smaug. Okay. So I've got a few that I'm thinking of. Uh, one that actually just popped into my brain, which was the, um, oh God, Galbatorix, or however the hell you pronounce his name. His dragon, if I recall correctly. Uh, Galbatorix? In, yeah, Galbatorix. His dragon was chained to him by some evil magic and actually turned out to be kind of nice right is that i'm remembering correctly right i have no idea i will be honest i never even read um past eldest okay so. well i think i think his dragon ended up actually being um shriken was a i believe his name uh because i just googled it um oh yeah so i believe that shriken actually was like nice and he had had it gets very arcane and strange, but um, the way people are controlled in this world is through their true name. So if you find out their true name, you can control them. And so Galvatorix found out his true name, controlled him. Turns out to be actually kind of interesting. Whatever. Not on the list. Uh, a couple that I'm thinking of. One from the cute category, Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, see, I've not seen How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, it's quite good. So my friend Allie told me and my friends forever how great How to Train Your Dragon was, and we just tooled on her viciously for a super long time. We're like, dude, we're not watching this movie. This is so stupid. Finally, my friends and I went mini golfing, I think. And then afterwards, we went back to my house and watched How to Train Your Dragon. I fell asleep immediately. Of course. Uh, but then I later watched it, and it was really good. And Toothless is adorable. Very cute little dragon. We have similar, well, not similar because I haven't seen it, but Keddy has been telling me for a, another, a, sorry, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. And yes, you heard correctly, Keddy, K-E-T-T-Y, yes. yes. Has been telling me for a, has been telling us for a very long time that that's one of her favorite movies and we just have never watched it. I oughta. Yeah. Inconsiderate bastards. Uh, so that's one that I'd like for, to be considered. Um, kind of a different path here 
from the mythical section, I think the dragon from Beowulf warrants consideration because I think a large part of the reason that we're talking about dragons at all is because of sort of the Middle English lore that involved the dragon or, as you may recall from some of your English classes, worms, as they were called. W-Y-R-M was, I think, the Middle English word for a dragon. Um, And so I really think that that dragon's important. Uh, nothing remarkable about it, like much less interesting than Grendel, but still, I mean, I think for us could be a stand-in for other dragons that I'm not remembering from sort of like old and middle English. Did you ever hear the story of St. George and the dragon? That's, that rings, that rings a bell, but I don't, I don't think so. Enlighten me. It's just a classic tale of this knight that goes and kills a dragon. But like, it's, but that's the whole point, right? Like it's the classic the reason it's a classic tale is, is part partly because of St. George and the Dragon. Yep. And I actually, tragically, I've never read Beowulf. Uh, that wasn't mandated in, in high school, so that's why I'm not thinking of it. But I yep. think you're right. Like, I think we need to have... Because all of these dragons are... Uh, I mean, the oldest dragon on this list is probably Smaug. Yeah. Um, we, need, we need something to kind of pay homage to why we're talking about dragons yeah they're they're all Um, derivative of the sort of old timey conception of the dragon both visually and in many cases personality wise so i'm i'm comfortable with the beowulf dragon to sort of standing in for um that era of dragondom yeah i can get on board with that so Um, yeah unfortunately i don't see an obvious candidate come off this list yeah uh, no it's it's hard to think of one um uh, let me run through a couple other candidates and then let's talk about where these might fit in uh one that i love you know i love is my dear friend jake long (laughs) god i love american dragon jake long so much god i love american dragon jake long I, i actually was talking to somebody recently who met dante bosco the voice actor who portrayed Jake Long, and they said that he was actually really nice uh, and really does talk like that in real life. That's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, also made an appearance as uh, Fukuyama or Fukijama. I don't remember. Um, a reclusive shoe artist in the show Entourage. Fun fact. Um, another one that I really love. That this this one I'm gonna probably fight for this one more than I should. Uh, because it was very formative for me as a kid, was My Father's Dragon. Did you ever read those books? No, I'm not familiar. Oh, my God. So uh, it's about this kid. I think, if I'm remembering the details correctly, there was one of my first chapter books that I read. Um, This kid is, I think he's British. His dad is like a traveling salesman or something, so he's not around a ton. And he somehow stumbles upon the fact that his dad had a dragon as a kid or has a dragon. I'm butchering the details. But anyway, he goes to this magical island with just his little like British knapsack. And uh, there's there's a lion that he meets. And it turns out his dad had a dragon. And there's a series of three books. And I encourage you to Google My Father's Dragon just to see it because he has like these horizontal yellow and blue stripes. And he's this adorable dragon. Um, Just... Really enchanting tale. Don't remember much about the story. Just remember loving that damn dragon. Oh, yeah. He is a pretty adorable dragon. Oh, he's so cute. I do like that striping. I know. And the kid the kid with his little sailor outfit. Yeah. He's got a goofy hat and like, the sailor short shorts. Yeah, he really does. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful tale. Um, I don't know. Probably doesn't belong, but I just love it. I really uh, like it. And last one, I, I think I already mentioned this, but I want to mention it again. I would stump for the Hungarian horntail 
uh, over Norberta. Over uh, Norberta? Over or in addition to. I love Norberta. Okay. Um, I, I See, I had assumed that if we were going to include it, it would, it would come lower on the list. Like, the Hungarian Horntail obviously plays a very big part of the Goblet of Fire. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say over Norberta, though. See, I, I don't... Be I I don't know I like I said love Norberta this is hard for me this is like choosing between my two children uh, I do not have children uh, but it would be like choosing between them I love them both the Hungarian horn tail is interesting because she if I remember correctly she was a pregnant or recently pregnant uh, female dragon and that's how they uh, get her so mad is with the the eggs I think that was the concept right is that that's I think what, they put the golden egg amongst her actual eggs. right and that's what pisses her off so much. Um, yeah, she, she just was raw power, makes her a really, really cool scene in the film, um, has more screen time book and movie wise than Norberta. I don't know what we can talk about that one. Those are my, those are my, um, candidates. I also had written as you were talking, uh, Gyarados and, uh, (laughs) Dragonite, Dragonite or Dragonite is the final evolution, right? It goes Dratini, and then Dragonair, and then Dragonite. Yeah, Dragonite is so lame. Um, like, just brutally lame. Here's what doesn't make sense about Dragonite. <laughs> Dratini, very feminine, very blue. Yeah. Dragonair, also very feminine and very blue. Dragonite, yellow, and distinctly masculine. Yeah. It, like, the, the progression doesn't make a ton of sense. No, also just, like, um, a lame dragon. Can Dragonite shoot flames? Uh... So, I, I don't think I've ever seen Dragonite shoot flames, so if I remember correctly, you, he's got, like, flame-based moves. Really? In, like, in, in the game. I thought it was, like, Hyper... No, Hyper Beam has Gyarados. I feel like he... No, you might be right. Uh, he might have Hyper Beam. He definitely has Fly. I don't know. I, I consider Dragonite... He I, doesn't I was, belong. He's a lame but he just would cross my mind. Gyarados can't fly, I don't think. Yeah. Um. Actually, it's funny you bring up... <laughs> oh, never mind. Uh, there might be a, another top 10 in the near future that we do that involves uh, these, some of these Pokemon. But, okay. Um, uh, yeah, no, I don't think either of them belongs. I think we've got our, our Pokemon stand-in for Charizard. Yeah. Not that he needs to stand in for anybody. He holds his own. Yeah, so, all right, so um, I, I think I think the ones that I want to stump for are um, Toothless or My Father's Dragon. You can have one of those as one of our requisite cute dragons. And I want the dragon from Beowulf. Those are the ones I'm, I'm going to fight for. I completely agree on the Beowulf dragon. We need an old-timey dragon. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take off. I I could be, I could be convinced to take off Dragon of, from Shrek just because, like, her role is purely comedic and is kind of secondary to donkey's character mm-hmm. i could i could even be convinced to take off the Sarion since we've got another game of thrones dragon on here yeah i think those are two that are vulnerable i <laughs> are you are you loving trogdor up there i i am i'm actually gonna fight for all trogdor. right i'll let you keep trogdor uh, but let's let's dump Viserion. <laughs> Viserion sucks until uh he's reincarnated he's a terrible dragon um don't get me wrong, much more interesting than the eminently boring Rhaegal, but <laughs> yeah, Viserion. I think maybe, 
if we revisited this after season eight, we might have more to say about Viserion. Yes. But right now, he's got like, th- like literally less than two minutes of screen time as a cool dragon. Yeah. So all right, so let's dump Viserion, and <sighs> I think you're right. Let's let's dump dragon from Shrek. So I think I think I want to put my father's dragon in as opposed to toothless. I just did a yeah. little research. Won the Newbery Medal in 1949. Okay. And was named the 49th best all-time children's novel uh, by School Library Journal, that most notable of publications. I'm really bummed that I didn't get into this as a kid because I'm like I'm just looking at these illustrations again. They're really neat. Oh, um, be- like beautiful, beautiful novels. Really, yeah. really well illustrated. Really fun. How many of them are there? There are three. I I wouldn't. If I were you, I would at least think about reading them now. I'm definitely going to buy copies uh, for one day when I have kids. I want them to read those because they're great. I, I'm into it. I love it. There's yeah. some cool black and white illustrations that also evoke kind of a cool classic-y dragon feel from it. Yeah, and they I, hold up 60, 70 years later. I'm cool with... It's a chapter book, you said? Yeah, so they're they're like those kind of chapter books that make you feel really cool about reading a chapter book. They're very short, but they make you feel cool. Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm. 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 Even though I've not read those, you have such a strong emotional reaction to it, and it seems like I should have been reading these as a kid. That I'm comfortable putting it on there, with the understanding, of course, that it's kind of a proxy for other cute dragons. Exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. A little bit like the yeah. Beowulf dragon. This is sort of a proxy for the cute dragon movement. Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. So let's put that on there, and 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 Beowulf. I think. I'm going to argue that we should include Norberta over the Hungarian horn tail. Yeah, I, I've thought about it. I think you're right. With the understanding, of course, that the Hungarian horn tail is awesome. And would also and, beat the piss out of Norberta in a fight. Oh, I think... All right, here's a question. That's I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> uh, if, like, which dragon on this list is the most powerful like if it were to fight the other dragon battle royale all these dragons uh well are we talking about are we talking about super smash bros uh where i get to do that uh that move that i know how to do where charizard just like for those of you not familiar with super smash brothers uh the most recent iteration charizard has a move wherein he just charges sideways across the screen does like 15% 15% damage to himself, but if he, and oftentimes will just launch himself completely yeah. off the edge of the screen. Especially when controlled by me. It's completely binary, and it's all Mike does when he plays Smash. <laughs> just, uh, so if if we're assuming all these characters are in Smash, I think Charizard wins. And But if one-on-one, I wonder yeah. who the most powerful dragon on this list is. Who's What's your thought? <sighs> Assuming that we're now including all right, Beowulf we can dump. We can Shrek. yeah, we can dump Trogdor. We can dump Dragon from Shrek. Wait, sorry, dump, what? we can dump Trogdor and Dragon from Shrek. Viserion, okay. Sephira, Mushu, Norberta. I think I think it's really between Drogon and Smaug. I feel like, um, and they are essentially the same dragon. Uh, so I don't know. Smaug is wilier than Drogon, like much so- wilier. Smaug is wilier, but also older. Yes, undoubtedly older. Uh, you know, that, and that comes with its advantages and disadvantages. Well, it's like he's uh, old enough to know what he's doing, but young enough to still be able to do it. Touch of gray for dragons. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the Maleficent uh, 
should at least get some some consideration because like she's extremely cunning, maybe even more cunning. That's a good point. Does she maintain all of her human intelligence while in dragon form? Um, that's a good question. She kind of acts just like a you know like a dragon when she's in dragon form. She shoots a lot of flames. Yeah, and I don't know if she ever like displays any human intelligence at that point, but yeah. I I think. It's fitting that he's number one. I think Smaug in a fight probably manages to win in both those cases, even though Drogon is probably a fitter dragon. Yeah, I think Smaug is the one. Smaug is like Tom Brady. Drogon is kind of like Aaron Rodgers. And I think Maleficent is like Drew Brees, let's say, but much better than Drew Brees. Okay, yeah, I can get aboard with that. I think I think Smaug is, is number one in all facets here. Yeah, all right. Probably, so prob- No, you, I'm sorry, you go. So All right, so let's put... Let's find a place to slot Beowulf's dragon and, uh, like, where would you put those in relation to each other? I'm inclined, if we're going to be doing two proxy dragons, one for old-timey dragons and one for cute dragons, I would rank the old-timey dragons over the cute dragons. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think the Beowulf dragon is more important because the cutesy dragon only exists if the terrifying dragon trope exists. So I think the Beowulf dragon, I, I would stump... For the Beowulf dragon being a top, obviously the Beowulf proxy dragon, uh, to be a top, like three or four, I think. Yeah, I was just gonna ask because we, I, I have them slotted in just where I pulled uh, Viserion and Dragon off. So right now I have them at eight and nine. Yep. I think, I think Beowulf's dragon belongs probably. I don't know. Would you like they? They both are. They have. The dragons at the top of this list have notoriety for different reasons. I yeah. mean, Drogon has only been very popular in pop culture for the last couple of years. Charizard since the nineties. Um, Drogon too, if you're an, if you're an original book reader. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. <laughs> Man, I'm the worst. That's for um, you. That's for you, Mister Passini, high school high school history teacher. He's been but, reading them for years. But but I guess I would defend myself in that he's only been really popular. No, no, I'm just I'm just yanking years. your chain. You're right. You just embarrassed me, so I'm defending myself. No, like, that's okay. No, you probably were reading it when you were in like seventh grade or so. Shut up. Um, I actually waited until college to start reading that. Oh no, I know, dude. Because even though you have a way better memory than me and remember way more details, I did read them before you and introduce you to it. Oh, I don't remember implying that you did. I, I've read them before you. Yeah. No, no. I, I just I just feel very insecure about the fact that you and our dingus friend, Jameson, remember things way better than me. And so, like, I get excited about them, tell you about them, and then you guys far surpass me in your mastery very quickly. Back to the topic at hand. I think Beowulf belongs... I would say Beowulf should belong at third. I think it should go Smaug, Charizard, Beowulf, Dragon. Yeah. You cool with yeah. that? Uh... Yeah, I'm cool with that. Now that I'm looking at the list, how would you feel about putting Maleficent over Drogon? I kind of like that. I dig it. Let, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's I, let's do that. Um, and then how how do you feel about putting um, my father's dragon at nine below? That puts him below Norberta and Mushu and Safira. I feel I feel good about that, but I think I think that Mushu owes a debt to my father's dragon. Mm. But Mushu elevates it to a new level. I take it back. I think we're nine putting, is the, we're putting Mushu over Safira. I yeah. mean, like 
Mushu's pretty great. <laughs> I'm the great stone dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Let's put let's put my father's dragon at number nine. Okay. So um, I think I don't know. How do you feel? It feels like we've got a list. We we do have a list. I think it's the definitive list of all time dragons. All right, do you want to run? Th- yeah, let's run through it. I got it here. Go all for right. It. So number ten, your guy Trogdor the Burninator. Yeah. Uh, number nine, my guy. My father's dragon, who looks like he's wearing pajamas. He does. Safira, clocking in at number eight. Number seven, Mushu. Number six, Norberta, nay, Norbert. Number five, Drogon. Number four, the terrifying Maleficent. Number three, standing in for many medieval dragons, is Beowulf's dragon. Number two, a classic Charizard. And number one, the greatest of all fictional dragons, Smaug. All right. I'm happy with that list, Mike. I love the list, my man. I would also like to say uh, we can group in with, like, the Beowulf old-timey dragons. Like, any of those dragons referenced on unknown parts of maps where (laughs) they're dragons. (laughs) Yes, yes. Hey, man, did you you guys go check that out? What's over there? Like, oh, uh, we didn't go over there, actually, because there's dragons, so we couldn't go over there. Kyle, as our technical director, can you go back and cut in "Here be dragons" every time we say Beowulf and his dragon? Because <laughs> yes, the "Here be dragons" dragon is is who that ought to be. I'll try for it. At the very least, we'll have a, a "Here there be dragons" reference just in time at the end. Alrighty, friends, that was our top ten for this week. But now we'd love to hear your top ten. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets traditional outlets whatever outlets we have check us out on twitter at top 10 km that's all spelled out top 10 km our email top 10 km spelled the same way at gmail.com or our site top 10 km.podbean.com all forms of communication accepted except for serial killer notes please don't send us any of those If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Erin Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week.